to another five minutes with Sean, maybe 10. We are yet again in the sit down edition. We're having a lot of fun with these lately. So I want to keep the good times rolling. Um, we are, as everyone knows, we're doing the mental health Mondays here. And so this is this month. Now, last month's mental health Monday was pretty deep. Uh, we talked about really unfortunate things, death, loss, all these things. Today, I'm going to lighten it up. A, a lot, but we also need to talk about things that maybe you're not comfortable with between the years. And that's where our guest today, Christina Joy Whitaker, comes in. Christina, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? doing wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. So your name came up in a discussion with our friend Lori Holter. She was on the show back a couple months. Um, she's awesome. We love her. Her energy is, it must be infectious. I've never actually sat next to her. <laughs> Um, but I can assume doing this, that it is infectious. So uh, that's awesome. But when talking to her, we were talking about imposter syndrome and putting some, as you put it, putting uh, names to thoughts. And she had mentioned that she was speaking with you recently when this had happened about the murky middle. And she yes. didn't do it a little bit, but it was so new. We were like, oh my gosh, how does, how does one even get here? So <laughs> if you could first, Christina, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do uh, for a living, and then really introduce us to how you stumbled upon and really created the concept of the murky myth. Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for sharing your platform. I really appreciate being on here today. I'm incredibly excited. Also thankful for Lori. I love her energy as well. So I'm all here for it. Um, but to introduce myself, my name is Christina Joy Whitaker. I am a leadership and business strategist, and I predominantly work with women um, of color professionals who are looking to advance in their careers, but also understand that their voices and their messages be, belong beyond the four walls of their organization. And so I help them in crafting their personal brands so that they are seen, that they are heard, they are paid, and they are known for their thought leadership and expertise. But I also serve as a speaker where I travel around to different organizations and companies talking about um, engagement as well as what is really needed in order to tap into the true potential and authenticity of different client populations, especially women in leadership, so they can take full ownership of their positions, take full ownership of their voice going forward. But today, clearly we're here on um, to talk about the murky middle, and I, there, there's a lot of it ends going along, murky middle, mental health Mondays, like all of that all together. But listen, I'm excited to talk about this particular concept. And what I realized was after working in corporate America myself for over a decade, and when I transitioned into doing the work I do right now, working with individual clients, I kept finding that people were getting to a space in their career where maybe they had worked over 10 years or maybe they had gained all of this expertise, but it felt like they were stuck and they couldn't exactly put a finger on why they felt stuck. And a lot of times what happens, especially with women, when we reach those, uh, those touch points in life, people are very quick to diagnose it with the imposter syndrome. So I know you've um, talked about it before. The imposter syndrome is a very real thing. 
But um, that particular definition talks about having a, a feeling or a sense of fraudulence in the workplace and in life in general, and as if somehow you are inadequate or lacking. And at any point in time, you're going to be found out because you don't measure up. And that's, that's a lot of times based in confidence. But what I realized, because I work with so many high achieving professionals, that the dissonance that they were feeling at this point at, in their careers was not necessarily based in a lack of confidence. They knew that they had um, kind of the expertise to get to where they were at. They knew they had either the degrees or the pedigree to command a certain level of respect. However, what was happening was they still felt that same discontentment. And so instead of rushing to tell someone, oh man, you just have to lean in, like, oh, you're just, you're just hiding back, you're just, you're just um, shrouding beneath uh, what you, your full capacity is. Instead of telling someone like that, I felt the need that there was um, a, a different phenomenon happening and a need to pause to really investigate it. And so when I looked, I saw that so many people, especially high achieving people who had reached certain levels of leadership, felt stuck, but it wasn't based in a lack of confidence. It was more so based in a dissonance or a disconnect between what they were currently doing in their roles and what they felt like they somehow should be doing. So a vision of themselves that was unrealized. And which is why I coined the term the murky middle, because there's a lot of gray area in it, but there is not a cut and dry, like you, you don't belong, you know you belong, you walk into a room, you know you command the space. However, that feeling is still there. And the reason why I differentiated it as the murky middle is because that feeling of uh, dissonance or that feeling of fraudulence is not based with the same root. And so therefore it can't be solved with the same tools and systems that we would use to address the imposter syndrome. And so I really wanted to delineate that as much as possible for my clients and really shed light on something that I think is markedly different, but just as important as we are growing and developing. So that's okay. Look, we got a lot to unpack there, right? So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, as I told you, the notebook fills up, it fills up fast and it's it a lot of circles in it. So um, let's, let's go back to, uh, first of all, uh, you were in corporate America for a decade. That's what you said, right? Yes. Um, are you now your own boss or are you part of a team? What, what, what is your role today? As in, Are you still in corporate America or is it your, your, your business? So I am now my own boss. I run my own business. I have to say, um, I did not make the, the stereotypical leap from corporate America into entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship was not something that I necessarily uh was striving for. It's something that happened as a result of just different circumstances. But what I realized was in a lot of my career, while I was good at a lot of things, I was not necessarily passionate at a lot of things. I had risen up the corporate ladder fairly quickly where I was working with executive teams. I was working with the CEOs. And um, at one point at one particular organization, I was the highest ranking um, African-American female in a national Fortune 100 company. And so I had checked a lot of marks, but still I felt that sense that something was missing. Like it wasn't exactly what I was supposed to be doing despite me being talented and proven. And so after I kind of went on this journey of figuring out what is it that's going to work for me? What am I looking for? I ended up being faced with an unexpected layoff. And I'm a person who never, ever, ever 
thought I would experience that. I love stability. I love knowing where my check is coming every two weeks. And so I never, ever thought I would be put into a position of being laid off. But what happened was while I was having the meeting, I had this feeling that it was going to happen. And while I anticipated feeling some sort of anger or sadness, what I realized was I felt so much relief in that moment. And I'm, and it shocked me that I felt relieved that I felt like I had the permission finally to figure out like, what is it I want to do? And quickly after I was presented with all these opportunities, people basically said, name the place. We'll make sure that you, you are getting into a role like you're proven, you're not going to have a lot of lag time. And I had to make the conscious decision to say no. Um, I, I didn't feel like that's where I needed to be at that time. I wasn't exactly sure at that point what I was going to do, but I knew I had an idea and I started building it out. I knew over and over again when people came to me, especially women looking to advance in their careers and, and even men, I was able to help them either double salaries. I was able to help them get executive roles. I was able to help them find clarity in their journeys. And I loved doing that. And so I just kind of really paid attention to that and built my business around that. And so right now I operate um, a fully functional agency where I do both coaching and consulting for topics like that. That's it's, it's incredible. And you know, you talk about something that I think now really obviously is your fuel, which is passion, you know, um, in corporate America, look, God bless you for 10 years of corporate America. <laughs> I, I, you know, as an adult, I, I worked for I worked for clothing stores when I was a kid. So they were corporate, but it was the coolest corporate structure ever. It was the men's yeah. warehouse. We had a blast. You great learning experience, all these things. But as an adult, I can only spend about eighteen months in corporate life before <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, the wall. Because because you talked about it though, Christina. You talked about your life, right? You mm -hmm. love the stability, right? Mm -hmm. I hated the stability because I've been a hundred percent commissioned my whole life. So wow. And someone came to me and was like, well, here's your salary and, right. you know, do this work. And then you end up just because, you know, you, I, I like what I do. So I end up doing more of the work more. Mm -hmm. right? and then nothing happens. The yep. check's the same and I'm thinking to myself, yeah. this is not right. This is not right. So, so yeah. I, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I, my wife looked at me one day. She's like, just go start your own company. I can oh, see that is the funny. wheels turning. I can see you want to do it, but, but here, but see, that's the, that was the motivator. I wanted to make my industry better. My, my, right. my statement of my company is that we want to leave the car business better than we found it. That's it. Mm. Is that simple? We're not, I'm not trying to overcomplicate shit. I just, you know, <laughs> easy. But Christine, I gotta be, I gotta be honest with you about something. And I like to do this with folks. Um, and it's tough, right? Cause I'm, I'm me. I'm just a, I'm just, I'm just a, I'm a 40 year old white male. Okay. So I okay. understand where struggles are in the world and they're not really around me. And I get that. Uh -huh. but, but but for 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 your situation, Christina, yes. you have the passion. But now, do you, is there pressure because you were such a you know a high ranking official, um, yeah. as you put it, colored women? Is that sort of thing? That sort of is is it passion for you? Is it fear for you now, or is it a, a wonderful combination of both? Because I imagine the pressure of being in that position, not only helping women, which is phenomenal, but there's that additional layer women of color, that it, it, there's more to it than that. It's, it's, it's not that simple. So how do you, how do you deal with that in, in, in this equation? Yeah, it's um, working with um, women of color, black women, especially um, it's definitely, it's, it's not easy. It's complex. And I say, and I say that to say, 
um, it's because of a lot of the environments that people are coming out of. So when you think about the imposter syndrome in general, I'm going to take us back to what we were talking about. I think everyone has some aspect of whenever you're starting something new, you feel a little bit inadequate. Um, now, usually when you are a part of, let's say, um, a majority uh, population, that those feelings aren't necessarily always affirmed. But when you add the dynamic of being a woman of color onto the mix, that's where it starts shifting in terms of a delineation of experience because, because of microaggressions, because of prejudices, because of blatant racism a lot of times in these environments, people are not only affirming your, your private thoughts, they are showing it in action. There's been many times where I've been felt like, I've been made to feel as if I really don't belong. Um, and it's because, not necessarily because of my capability, but because of the color of my skin, or because I don't fit into the stereotype that they thought I was going to fit in, or because um, I'm not a cultural fit, whatever words that we use to dress it up, we ostracize certain groups of people. And so when I say it's, it's complex, it's because you're not only having to unravel the natural tendency to feel like um, you're learning something new or to feel like you are involved with an environment, you're also having to unravel the very real experience of people going in every workday facing these microaggressions, facing this behavior, and then feeling as if afterwards you're being gaslit because you're being told, oh, that's not how it is, or that's not what we mean, or no, you're exaggerating. I mean, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, and that's what I mean, right? Because that's that's sort of that's sort of weight, uh, and, and but, but but it has to be the fuel in there for you as well, Christina. I have to imagine that yeah. you say to yourself, "Yeah, well, guess what? That's not how this is going to be. That's not how this is yeah. going to stay." And my company is here to make sure of that. And and yeah, and I, I love that. I I, I can't yeah. imagine how much women feel at ease talking yeah. with someone like you about your situation. And, and I'm not saying anything about color of skin. I'm saying just women in general. Oh, yeah. I watch it all. I mean, the car business, are you kidding me? I've watched it my whole life. You have, you have right. women who are beyond skilled, the most skilled on a floor. And it's like, yeah, but what about that time of the month? Or and I, Right? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> machismo bullshit you would of never things you would hear yeah a person standing next to you but you'd yeah. be happy to say amongst groups of other people it's yeah it's what drives me nuts about corporations i'll be honest yeah. with you there's just so much of this this is the way and this is the way and it's like mm -hmm. ugh, the way is yeah. so dated it's so boring right and it sucks frankly I, I i don't care for the way but you're you're cutting out a different path yeah um, when you do that with did you because you said the murky middle, it really, it seems to me the difference is confidence is, yes. is, is, at, at its basics, right? So when Lori mm -hmm. said syndrome to me, she goes, Sean, that's probably what you have. I immediately thought to myself, no, I, confidence <laughs> is not something I have in short order. You don't it's, lack that. <laughs> no, it's, it's a problem of mine. It's, it's, it's an overinflation of that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and, and so that's not it. And then she brought up the murky middle. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. You see, now I feel more like... Okay, and then when I said it to my therapist, Christina, my therapist, like, took her notes. She goes, what was that, Sean? I said, oh, the murky mill. She's like, I, you read books I don't? I'm like, well, hold on. Oh, wow. <laughs> I definitely am not doing that. You know that about me. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I turned her on to the concept that I'm going to be tagging her on this video because I, I want her to see it because she she herself, like I told you, she said, oh, you're 40. This is what's happening. It's people call it the midlife yeah. crisis, but you start 
looking back, looking forward and thinking. Mm -hmm. um, for you, for the murky middle, because confidence, I've got to imagine to get where you got and to get where you are, mm -hmm. you had to have a fair level of it. And, yes. and, and, and along with particularly thick skin would mm -hmm. also be my guess. Um, how, how did you, or what, what was the moment for you? Was there a moment, is it fair to say, where this sort of whole thing was like, boom, murky middle, this clicks. Like, tell me mm -hmm. about that sort of lead up. You know, um, I think it was a collection of moments. I knew, I knew that at a certain point in my life, I really was grappling with the imposter syndrome. It was a lack of confidence. I didn't feel like I was worthy enough or I belonged in certain spaces, especially since I rose fairly quickly. Um, that was very distinct. But I knew when I started transitioning and I, and I knew what I had to offer, I knew the results I was getting, it didn't feel the same anymore. While like some of the, the, the symptoms presented the same way in terms of maybe some anxiety or frustration, the root was not the same. I really knew that I was a worthy candidate. I knew it was great. However, I knew but ahead of me, there was a different set of decisions that I needed to make. And there was a, a larger overarching, listen, this is more of an alignment issue with what I feel like is my calling in life. It has a deeper meaning versus just what I'm going to do tomorrow or how do I thrive in the workplace tomorrow. And so my perspective really shifted. And as I started talking with a lot of my clients who had come to me because, and I have a lot of uh, very high achieving, very high level profile women who contract me as their, as their strategist. And um, we have these conversations. We have um, something that I call confidential conversations on a regular basis where I'm hearing their thoughts. And it was, it just came up so often where they were saying like, listen, I've done all of this, but this is how I feel. I've made these accomplishments, but this is how I feel. And it was just to me so blaringly obvious. It was, it was a huge difference, but no one talked about the difference. I think people are really excited when they find a term that explains something, but I think you also get into the slippery slope where you overuse that term and it's used for everything, right? Yeah, Which is or, what I think. Or you expect now that you've named it to somehow you're going to wake up and feel differently about right. yesterday, right? right? Well, the exactly. Is, the name is helpful, like any good brand image, right? Must come with a name, must understand its steps. But you, you yeah. said a word I want, I've circled here a couple of times. You said calling. Yeah. It, you found your calling. Is it fair to say the first time in your working life that you've ever felt that terminology really applied to your life and your work? Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> that's a great question. And I, and I would have to say the answer is absolutely yes. I think um, I've always been the type that has been very planned. I am very much driven in terms of uh, being goal-oriented, wanting to get to certain either salary goals or position goals by certain points of my life. I was very driven. Um, however, I was driven at the things that I was praised for. I was praised for my ability to communicate. I was praised for my ability to have strategy. And so that those are the paths that I went on. Now, that wasn't necessarily bad per se, but I never really gave myself the opportunity or the chance to see how do I use those skills that I most enjoy in a way that's going to craft an experience that I find fulfilling. I was, I was basically following a template or a blueprint that I, was given to me, like get a good job, um, do well, 
excel, you know, get the car, get the nice place, you know, all of the, all of the things that all, we are all told to find a successful life. And honestly, I was really happy in my accomplishments when I was doing that until they started running dry. They started feeling empty. And I realized that it wasn't necessarily happiness. It was just more so adrenaline because I was checking things off my list. But then once you come at the end of your list and there's nothing left, and it's like, wait a second, this didn't bring me the type of satisfaction I thought I would have. That's when people start to spiral. That's when there's no, there's no other step. Nobody talks about, okay, what then? What after you've reached this point do you do? How do you lean into that, that un unknown? How do you lean into that, lean into that uncertainty? And I know um, something that I really advocate for, especially with my clients, I'm even hosting a conference this fall, like with this moniker, it's called known and you have to really put some thought into what do you actually want to be known for because when you operate from a sense of being known you operate from a sense of what legacy am i bringing and legacy moves very different from something that's just a job or something that's tactical when you think about what do you want to be your your mark what do you want to be associated with your name your decisions start changing and they start really pulling you in terms of that alignment so it's not something that we're shoving to the side as something that i will never accomplish or i never thought this was possible you start giving some credibility to those unspoken dreams and seeing how they can now come up in terms of how you're crafting your future going forward and when you look at the corporate america blueprint as you put it right you talk about how you were motivated by what you were told to be motivated by Yes. People would, would, would say to you, you're great at this. And you're like, cool. Mm -hmm. Then I'll just, then that's the goal. Do more yes. of this, be better with this. And it never really developed into anything more than check mark, check mark, check mark. Yeah. Like when we were kids, you go to school, you get all your grades, check, check, yeah. check, check, check. And so that's what started to wear on me was I didn't get it. If, if every time you gave me a goal and I hit it, were we just going to keep doing this? Exactly. And you were going to what? Give me the company someday? Like that was right. So, so what am I doing? I'm, just, I'm hitting your goals, your goals, your goals. Yeah. And so uh, I, I, I love the fact that you talk about known. I love that you talk about the idea that, you know, how is it supposed to go, right? Well, according to everyone, you're supposed to go to college, then after that, get a job, find a significant, have two and a half children, move into the bird, <laughs> do this, right. do that. That's not who I am. I don't have right. Um, I've mm -hmm. never been in a parent material as far as mm -hmm. I'm concerned. No. And I'm okay with that. I'm the world's best uncle. I can have fun, but you gotta go. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how I go. But people say to me, Sean, what, 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 then why work? What is your legacy? Yeah. And I think to myself, hold on, hold on. Is, is it the only way that I can be remembered is for being a parent who left his kids? Right, somewhere? right. Like, this is not fair. Yeah. I would agree to this. Yeah. And so I'm going to leave my legacy in my industry the way yeah. I, I plan to do it from day one. Whether someone says that guy only changed one store, well, mm -hmm. then one out of 7,000 it is, and that's what I did. And that's yes. what I did. So for you, when you look at the known right now today, how much different is it being the boss than it was being the employer? Honestly, <laughs> While I don't want to pigeonhole myself, I think I am fully unemployable at this point. Um, <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> my favorite, it's my favorite term in the world right now. I, <laughs> asked me the other day, someone's like, what if I wrote you a check for this? I said, no, no, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I'm not going to your meetings. Okay, I don't, I don't do those. Yes. Um, I'm not going to the corporate retreats because I don't do those either. 
I'm not right. going to scramble because uh, I don't like doing that anymore. Uh, and so I just was like, there's no one's ever going to hire you for this, dude. So you went from, I have it in my notes here, you went from loving the, you know, the, the, the known paycheck to yes. now, being, now being the hunter who is yes. unemployable. Yes. How did we <laughs> arrive here? How did we arrive Yeah, so I... <laughs> I don't need, I don't even know. I'm looking back to be like, what in the world? You know, I am um, a person of faith. So I, I always, I always typically say like, God literally just took over my life and, and put me on this path. But I will say in terms of realizing um, when I was in corporate environments, I, I think I was also still the hunter. I liked the chase. I kind of like um, putting myself up for higher level positions. I liked interviewing. It's after I got into the workplace where I was like, oh, okay, I'm kind of over this, you know, I was ready to go on to the next, to the next endeavor. So you can't I keep hunting when you've already caught the catch. Exactly. It doesn't work that exactly. way. The catch is dead. Then you have to either eat it yeah. or move on and that's it. So yeah, I get you there. That's an interesting part of the, of the cycle that if you, yes. if your brain clicks with you and says, whoa, 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 that yeah. was fun. I, look, I got single friends who that's why they're single. That's yeah. they, they, just, they get to that point and they're they like, like the case. Oh, I don't really like this part anymore. And they, and they roll. Okay. Hey, I, look, yeah. I, it jobs people. I mean, look, we all have to do what makes us happy, right? So we do. I will say, um, I, it's not that it's not the chase that's keeping me going in this. It's, it's honestly hearing the stories. It's, it's gotta be the work. It's gotta be the work. It, yeah. It's not, hearing people hearing say about your passion, the people you work with. Right. Look, like I said, I'm in the car business, right? I'm trying to make the car business better. You're over here making humanity better. You're over here making it better for women, women of color. It doesn't, it's just, it, it's so amazing to see people with that passion and, and energy. Yeah. It just, you've got, that's got to keep you going. The hunt of it has to be, yeah, you got to get paid. You have people who work with you for you. Yes. Everyone needs to be able to have a living. We get that. We can't, you know, as my life, my wife says, I wish we could live on love. So do I. But somebody's got to make money to put, you know, to pay the bill. Yeah. Love, love ain't going to do it. So, Christina, with you and, and your your team of people that you work with and sort of the, the way that you roll, um, did the known theory or idea, this concept of your upcoming event, yeah. did this come from you, from the team, from an ongoing sort of, again, much like the murky middle, what you've been seeing? Tell me yeah. how you are that because I love the idea of this event. Sounds so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um what I realize more than anything is I really am driven by impact. I can't replicate the feeling of when I hear clients tell me, you know, I, I can never see myself the same way again. You've opened my eyes to this opportunity or some, saying something along the lines of, I never thought this dream was possible, but you, you gave me a strategy. You gave me clarity. I just can't go back. I can't be the same person I was before. And that, that, touches you in a way that no other thing can. And so something that I realized was there's a group of women out there. There's a group of women who are absolutely brilliant, who have the, the next generation of the best ideas, the best innovations, the best thoughts. And because of their situations, they are dying behind the walls of what they feel like um, are environments that keep them stifled, whether that's because their, their brilliance is, doesn't fit into their job title, whether that's because their organization may or may not be um, a place for innovation or celebrate new thoughts, that uh, effectively a lot of women have learned, you know what, 
there's a there's a risk there is a price to pay for brilliance and a lot of them don't want to make that step to it because you enter in a whole different realm when you share something that's new or innovative you enter into a realm where someone might get jealous someone might steal your idea someone might uh uh, derail you or put you into a lower position because they don't want you to shine in the way that you know you have the capacity to do. And so what I realized I, I used to say to myself with so many of my clients, you find yourself saying, you know what, I've worked at this place for 10 years, 15 years, but they don't even know me. They really don't know me. They don't know what I'm capable of. They don't know the value that I could potentially bring. They don't know authentically what I can do, even if it's outside of the context of the organization. And so when I thought of the concept of known, I want people to be known for their thought leadership. I believe that so many times we're quick to, to give, um, quite frankly, males the, the, the title of thought leader or innovator. But when women say things that are just as pushing or have ideas that are just as great, they're seen as uh, almost a fly-by-night phenomenon. They're not given the same respect. They're not given the same pillar. And so I want to work with women who understand that you may still want to advance in your career. You may not be ready to make that leap, but at the same time, you know your story belongs beyond the four walls of, four walls of an organization, and you want to make a higher impact. You're high achieving, but you also want to make that high impact, and you want to be known for your expertise and your brilliance, and you're ready to take space in the form where you're quoted in magazines, where you can have a speaking career, where you can be a consultant, where you can be a coach. However you see it manifesting, you know you belong there. Now, there's some time and energy that quite frankly, is just not always given to people who are actively working. So I wanted to create that space where people have that time to reflect and think and dream and put some breath into those visions so they can start seeing a strategy of a way forward. Because what I don't want to do is have people constantly cycling in that murky middle, feeling lost, feeling as if they're never going to be heard or seen for their value. I want them to be able to step out and show everything that they need to show in terms of what they can do and their capacity so that they are truly known in the marketplace, not simply for the superficial likes on social media or or the, the shares, more so like you have you have something to of depth. You have something to impact that's going to transform a community that's going to, to shape the way things are done, shape the way things are seen. And I know their voices just need to get out there. And so my goal is to provide a space where they can do that and to build community in that authenticity. Unbelievable with that sort of approach, only because it puts, you know, it puts so much also on the person, right? Yeah. Because you can't just, you, 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 you make it sound wonderful. You do, you know, but, but there's work. People, there's have work. To, people have to want that. You can't just, you, you can't want it more for them than they want it for themselves. And I think that's yeah. a lot of things people don't understand about coaching and consulting in general. I've been mm -hmm. in a consulting role for well over a decade. I deal with millionaires, billionaires, and it's always the same thing. Yeah, no, not mm -hmm. me. Yeah, no, not me. Well, yeah, yeah. You. Or later, later. I'll get to it later. <laughs> right. And, and and you're right. The thought leader on the male side, it's, you know, honestly, I get a little tired of the whole leadership thing anyways. <laughs> because at the end of the day, I think people just need to be better people. I, I think it will come off with work. It'll come off with this. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't consider myself a leader. A lot of people say to me all the time, Sean, you're a leader in the space. <laughs> okay. But that isn't why I wake up. That isn't what I go do this for. It isn't what mm -hmm. motivates me. So yeah. you're here, you're working with women. I assume you're also trying to um, 
this is this is geared towards women who work, women who are in school, out of school, uh, younger women. I assume it's changed a little bit with the pandemic. I, I understand some women are now leaving the workforce once again to sort of you know go back away from that. Has it, what's changed for you in, in the job? And did you, by the way, did you start this whole thing during the pandemic or just before? <laughs> like, because it's the timing of everything looks pretty crazy. So yeah, walk, walk me through that part of it. You know, so. Um... Let me back up and answer some of your first questions in terms of who this event is really for. It, it is geared for corporate professionals, but it's also geared for um, entrepreneurs who want to take the space, who haven't maybe been seeing the results. Typically, my clientele, um, they've worked a good five, 10 years in their, their role. So they're not necessarily always completely entry level. They're usually um, management or above to executive levels who, like we talked about, they have experience. They have the receipts. They have the degrees. It's about figuring out how you're going to package it in order going forward. And so a lot of them are technically still in those corporate America positions, which I don't believe everyone is necessarily called to make the leap into full-time entrepreneurship. It's quite frankly, not for everyone, but what oh, I, I like agree. to do, oh, yeah. And, and people need to be cautious of it. I hear it. one of the most offensive things I ever heard when I got started was someone would say to me, well, you have your own business. And I thought to myself, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I work to have my own business. Oh yeah, it's not easy. I guess maybe I maybe it's a compliment because I make it look easy. Maybe that's why people would say that. But right. that's some shit right there. No, that is not how life works. It is entrepreneurship yeah. is not for everyone. And even and, and I caution people: just because someone is doing it doesn't mean they're doing it well. Doesn't mean they're actually enjoying themselves. Doesn't or so, making money. <laughs> more importantly, and it's not a. Scene. It's not a savior. Yeah. Corporate America to starting your own business. You're not going to just feel better. I used to right. say when I first started my business, I'm great to have no boss. Well, that's because mm -hmm. I had no clients. Now I got 70 plus clients. I'm like, shit, I got 70 bosses now. Like, what, right. was, I yeah. what was I doing? Uh, but it's different. So so for you with the corporate America piece, um, and that's really, the, that's the, like you said, that's the, the demo for you, right? Is mm -hmm. it five to 10 well, years? Well, I will say that's, that's typically people who come to me. Some people are purely entrepreneurs, but a lot um, of them is what I, I consider being at the, the foot of entrepreneurship, meaning that you have, you have the professional experience. You're just trying to figure out how do you monetize and own your own voice and your thought leadership in a way that's also going to create an, another um, impact stream as well as an income stream that helps really support the legacy that you're looking to build. And so I believe that there's a very lucrative space that a lot of women don't tap into that uses their message and their expertise in an advisory role, in a speaking capacity, in a coaching capacity or a consulting capacity that we're just not exactly sure, okay, what are the actual steps needed to get there? And so my goal is to really um, help people get clear on their message so they understand, okay, what do you want to be known for, but how do we get to that space where you're actively offering, because um, that's something, that's a space that's dedicated for you. People are waiting to hear your story. They're waiting to hear the lessons that you learned. They're waiting to hear the ideas that you have, the thoughts that you have, or the innovations that you come up with. However, if you don't take residency in that space, it will remain vacant. And so what I want to do is allow people to see that they do have an audience waiting for them. It's just a matter of empowering you to see what is needed in order to actually put the practical steps in place to get there. And so I always love working with um, women who 
may be curious about figuring out, okay, how else can I, can I uh, leverage my career, both advance my career? And when I say career, I mean, not only your nine to five, but I also mean entrepreneurship, because I feel like we are really going into, and really probably are in the middle of a phase in uh, the, the working population in general, where we need to stop treating them as if they're completely different segments. People who are in corporate America have very lucrative entrepreneurial careers. People who were born and bred entrepreneurial um, can also be employed by companies, right? Like there's a blurring of lines between corporate and entrepreneurship that I really want to craft for this group. And I believe that organizations that understand that this is happening will be at the forefront and those who don't and try to segment are going to be left behind because people have sat home the last year seeing that there's opportunity to work remotely or use your voice or still make an impact while um, still advancing in your traditional career. And so why not really cultivate a space where people can do both as opposed to pretending as if this is pre pre pandemic and everything is separated in the way it was. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's you know the side hustle, right? The side hustle has become you know. Which I hate a, the term, but yeah, a, piece of, a piece of the deal, right? And I don't like the term either. I think it's silly, but it, 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 part time jobs, what I used to call, right? I used to have three yeah. jobs, you know, full time job, two part time jobs, and it was just uh-huh. this, I enjoyed different industries and meeting people, and of course I was young, motivated by money. I you know I can't help myself. It's that was right. motivator when I was younger. Um, it's it's not now, but when so first of all. I like how you say the division of entrepreneurship and corporate, right? Because here you're already trying to hedge your bet to make yourself employable. Right? Right. You're, already, you're already doing that. You're already trying to get yep. both of those jobs if we need it, which I appreciate because yeah. you never yeah. know, right? You never know. But but if you're gonna, here's my biggest thing, because I just ran into the situation with my wife. She, you know, young woman on social media could do some side hustle stuff for her. She uh, she has a job, she has her own business, but she's also doing this other, you know, meal, helping people understand their, their mm-hmm. dietitian stuff. And mm-hmm. so she's like, cool, I want to talk to her. Well, the girl promises the world and in three weeks delivers zero. Mm. Zero. And wants to charge for it, right? Wants to charge yeah. a monthly fee. And my wife's like, I'm over it. I'm like, well, okay, yeah. well, let's talk through it. And she's like, yeah, here's what she promised. Here's what she didn't do. Here's what mm-hmm. she promised. Here's what she didn't do. So people, if you're going to do the side hustle, I got news for you. You got to work twice as hard when you're done with work, the real work at the side. You can't just, you cannot do yeah. part-time side hustle and make the side hustle work. Okay. So I love how you talk about the division. Corporations better wrap their minds around how they're going to keep Absolutely. right? Because the entrepreneurial spirit is as high as it's ever been. Yeah, everybody looks at what they know, mm-hmm. how they I mean, that's how I started Carbiz. I had an owner mm-hmm. come to me and say, you know, more than anyone I've ever met on this topic. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you just have a business on this topic? And I said, no one has a business on that topic. Can you make money? He said, figure out a way. And so we, out of structure. We, a niche. we are, we are someone who didn't, the term vendor management didn't exist until mm-hmm. we got here in the car business. Wow. Wow. Now people copy us all the time. I used to scare the hell out of me, Christina. I used to be like, oh my God, people are going to steal our tech. They're going to, there is no yeah. tech. I use Google Drive, anyone who's asking, <laughs> right? And, and, a, and an $8 screen recording app. Come yeah. get it. Come, come, come be us. You can't. Right. What you cannot right. do is you cannot be me. You cannot be my yes. team. Exactly. The passion that drives us. And you, young woman, are so full of passion. You make me think I can do more. And I already think enough of myself. So it's pretty amazing for me to sit here and go, so am I not applying myself? 
you know, like, well, I thought I'd, I thought I'd gone out of the murky middle after talking to Lori about it, but it seems uh-huh. like I talked to you, I'm back in it going, well, but, <laughs> but, so for you, and, the, and let's talk about it because I mentioned it just now, the idea of the murky middle isn't just something you have to be stuck in. It's, it's not, this is not right. quicksand. Uh, it, is a, it, is a, it is a growth progression. Is that, is that how you would look at it? Yeah, honestly, and I love that you you use the term quicksand because it's it's really what I use to to describe it. I think in if if we think of the dynamic of regular quicksand, right? The more you struggle, the more you fight it, the more you get stuck. And I think the the best thing you can do when you are um, in the stage of the murky middle is really give it the sacredness and the credibility it needs to be still in that moment figure out and um, take it as an observation period, as a period of reflection. You don't necessarily need to make a billion decisions in it. I think going with the flow of it and understanding that you're about to embark on a new season, something that's different, something that you may have never thought would exist, but you you have a, a, a strange call or a pull towards it, letting it happen and really leaning in. Um, I know I talk about this a lot, but leading with the with the perspective of hope and I say hope, meaning um, more so a, a, a sense of expectation that, you know what, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. And so let's lean into thinking about what we might have dismissed because of circumstances, but might actually have some credibility. 10 years ago, or when I started my corporate career, I never thought I would be speaking at organizations. I was good at it, but I didn't think that would be my career. But something that never left me was this vision of me speaking on stages or having these these talks. I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know who I was speaking to, but I know they felt very real. But I also know I kept dismissing them. But the second I put it in the forefront and started Started leaning into that curiosity, started leaning into the hope that maybe there is something to it. That's when the opportunities started to open. And me being a very analytical, being a very structured person, I hate saying things that sound fluffy, but sometimes I think it's just, I'm not, I refuse to say the term going with the flow, but there is a, there is, I feel like an intentional process that you can take. And it's something that I walk through my, with my clients in that particular space to make sure that you are looking literally all over so that the opportunity that's supposed to come, you are taking you are taking it and you're giving it the proper credibility. I think we are all presented with opportunity. We don't always mark things as opportunity. And so it helps change your lens of saying, you know what, I'm going to take a, take a chance on that. Or you know what, people keep coming to me and asking me to do this. This isn't my job, but maybe I should look over here. Maybe I really am good at this. Yeah. I know That's one of my mentors said um, at one point, there are things that you have tried that you're really good at, but there's also things that you've never tried that you're even better at, right? And so that really provides the space for that. Yeah, it's funny. You, you don't like the idea of the concept of just, you know, go with the flow, let things be, <laughs> right? So like, I, I'm a hippie by nature, okay? I am, <laughs> I, I'm a huge Grateful Dead fan. I have hair off the back of my head. I, I, it's who I am. I, it's what I, I wear Birkenstocks any chance I get. Uh-huh. It, it's what I believe in, right? It's what, it's what helps guide me. But I'll, t- I'll say this. You're describing, the way you're describing the work part of it mm-hmm. is exactly what I myself dealt with, but in, but in relation to my personal life. Hmm. I, I always worked. So I never, there was never a what Sean going to do for work. I figured I would work 70 yeah. hours a week for the rest of my life, especially for owning my own business. Yeah. But, but about two years ago, just before the pandemic, I realized that my company was a really well-oiled machine. 
And then if mm -hmm. I kept it where it was and didn't try to make it big, I had an uncle advise me, hey, you can either have a million dollar company where you can live mm -hmm. your life and enjoy everything, or you can have a $5 million company and never do anything but that. And mm -hmm. I, chose the, I chose the path of a, of, of a company that made money, but that mm -hmm. I didn't need to dedicate a million hours to. Yeah. And now I, I, I'm using the phrase that I try to live more than I work. Mm -hmm. and people yeah. look at me like I'm freaking crazy. But the reality yeah. is I never felt like I belonged spending time outside of work. Right. And my wife's been with me 17 years. I mean, it's, it's, it's so, and, and, and I never thought I would get the time to spend with her. And now we spend every day, yeah. almost all the time. So I, I don't, I think this applies to life. And I think that I would agree with the idea of the, you know, go with the flow. My point there was, and you said it right before you said, go with the flow, mm -hmm. which is I just term it, be still and listen. Mm -hmm. Be still and listen. Cause going with the flow, you went, then, then you just keep going. You yeah. couldn't possibly see what was behind you if you kept going. So right. I would just stop, take yeah. a breath and go, okay, here we you are. And I can't believe I spend as much time not working as I do anymore. It's crazy yeah. to me, but I have a balance of life and work that I never thought possible. I was definitely in a murky middle more in life yeah. than in work. So that's, that's a, it's. No, I think it shows up a lot of different places. And I love the fact that you opened the door to that. I don't think it's siloed just to your career or business. I think it's something that um, a lot of us face in different places. I mean, even myself, while I have monetary goals in business, I also have vacation goals. I want to take a certain percentage off of the year every single year. Um, and it's a hefty percentage, you know? And so that is what I am working towards. I And that helps uh, in terms of focusing me in, in terms of what structure of business is going to work to support that, right? That means I can't do necessarily every structure of business. I can't do a one-on-one -on -one for every single client or something. I have to scale. And so what's going to allow me to still have that same impact, but also disappear for the times that I need to recharge? Because I am still very much an introvert, although I do a lot of things public-facing. And so I think it is important. Um, I, I think especially when you're looking to reach certain goals, I, I always love the balance of life or the harmony more so than the balance and understanding that um, I, ha I have very ambitious uh, monetary goals and I'm going, whatever I need to do to craft my, um, but I, I'll say I have monetary goals, but I also have life goals that take just as, as much precedence and I don't want to sacrifice either. And so what can I do in order to maybe at different phases in life, prioritize one thing over another. So for instance, for me, I'm single. I don't necessarily have to spend time or have dinner with someone on a regular basis. However, I'm also not going to pigeon my hole myself so far where that's not an option ever because I eventually see myself shifting into another season. So just being strategic about how are you setting up your life? And I think a lot of the clients that I work with are in places where their attention is pulled, right? Most likely you might have kids or you might have a spouse or you might have other obligations like in terms of volunteering or community commitments. And there needs to be a real discussion about how much time do you actually have to devote to this? Who do we need to hire or get them on board with your team? Or what can you do in the interim to make this come to life? Because we can't, we can't pretend as if we don't have other things pulling our attention. The, the decision point is, are we going to 
take the time to really um, give life and give thought and reflection and action to those things that are pulling us so that we can set up a longer term uh, trajectory that allows us to still give life to the dream and meet our responsibilities in other places. Once again, again, my notebook is just over, it's overfilled here with all of these thoughts because I just, I want to come back to the idea um, that you were, that you were just talking about when you go as far as with people and, and looking at where they belong and what your, yeah. what your spot is. Um, you know, I, I love people. I love talking to people who have goals. You know, you're, you're very goal oriented. I can hear that about you. Um, I don't, I, I don't have them. My goal is to mm -hmm. live and people are like, Oh, that's so cheesy. It's so lame. It's like, yeah, I, I lived in a world when I ran dealerships, was on my way to owning dealerships. Yeah. 30 day cycle go 30 day cycle go 30 day. And it never, ever ended. And it yeah. never, ever went down. It was yeah. always more, 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 more. And it put me in a position where I, I lived that way. Right. I had yeah. the house, the fancy cars, the most of this, the most of that. Mm -hmm. And then a financial crisis hits in 2009. I'm left with absolutely nothing. Yeah. Zero, except for my wife. The only yeah. thing that's consistent is her and the deal. And so then I started to think, dude, is money really what you're after? Is this yeah. really what you want to be? And as soon as that flip, that switch flipped, it, yeah. it, it's been, it's being an entrepreneur. It's great. I love making my own money. I love doing the hunt. I love working with my clients. Nothing makes yeah. me happier, but man, it was, uh, it, it was tough because even people say to me, Sean, what's the goal for the company's growth this year? It doesn't right. have one. It's only <laughs> to stay here, dude. That yeah. is it. If I get stuck in goals, I feel like I'll lose my way. So when, when you talk about goals and I will wrap yeah. it up after this, but when you talk about goals with your clients is, and this is going to sound, I hope it doesn't sound rude because I'm not trying to be rude, but in the goal, in the coaching mentality, mm -hmm. when I hear it, it's all about goals. What if someone isn't into goals? What, what then Christina, how do we then work with them? Or do we say, look, get goals you know because yeah. that didn't work for me so i'm just i'm wondering out loud how how i would even approach the situation with someone yeah so i think i think goals is probably one of those overused terms as well right okay. um where i i think that's why people say they don't have goals is because they might not see them in the same way that other people may see them okay. and so even in terms of um, other words like passions, I would say for the majority of my life, I never thought I was passionate about anything. I couldn't point to one thing and say like, oh man, that drives me, I'm passionate about it. I think everyone has an idea of the impact they want to leave. So for instance, I'll explain my impact. I know through my voice, I want to impact at least a million people, at least a million people in terms of not just hearing me, but I want you to have some sort of transformation as a result of your interaction with me. However long that takes, that is what I want to accomplish. And that is what drives every single thing that I do. Now, that's not everyone's same goal, right? Or that's not everyone's same desire. But I, I would challenge anyone who says that they don't want to accomplish anything. Because typically, if they are saying that, that just means you haven't had the space or the time to really reflect on where you want to have that impact. And a lot of times it's because we're pushed into environments where you're forced to perform and you get results that you don't care about. So then you become apathetic about everything. And so I would take, I would, I would have a person like that kind of take some time and understand that their apathy might be a response to their, their past, but that doesn't mean it needs to define where they're going through. Not to say you have to be the stereotypical person who's 
like so passionate about like knitting and all this stuff and you want to try like you may never be that person but i'm almost positive there's something or some transformation that you feel like you are supposed to make in someone maybe it's your kids maybe it's your community group maybe it's maybe it is your job maybe it's in your marriage whatever it is you there is something that you want to touch and not leave the same that's what i would i would i would have someone really focus on and then start going through the layers of why is it that thing? Why is it important to you? Why is that prioritized in your mind? What can we do um, if you have so desire to expand that, right? Because maybe let's say your focus is on your marriage. Maybe you really want to make your marriage the best ever. Maybe the lessons learned that you're doing in order to make that marriage transform is something that can be used by other people. So if you do have that entrepreneurial mindset, after you've done the work in your own life, what can you potentially do to share those lessons on a grander scale so that other people aren't running into the same roadblocks as you? I would say everyone probably, they always say what well, everyone has a million dollar idea, right? Everyone has something that strikes them. We might not always market as valuable. We might not always market as important, but a lot of times they, there's something there. There's something that's attached to what you care about. It's If you really do care about it and if there's a market for it, if there's an industry for it, then inherently there's going to be a business opportunity. Now you can choose to do it or not. You don't necessarily have to. The people I typically work with understand that they might not be driven by the business opportunity initially, but they understand that there is opportunity and they at the very least want to investigate what can I actually do to show up in this way? I Like I said before, you you motivate me to be looking and thinking more about what it is that I do. You, I, <laughs> you talk so much about the word passion, um, you know, and I have, I have a ton of passion for what I do in life. I've got some passion that's outside of the business world that sort of creeps into my LinkedIn. I get weird messages from people who are like, oh my gosh, should you really be talking about this and your passion when you run a business in, in another industry? And it's like, yeah, because I'm passionate about it. And I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's important that people understand and, you know, and so it can, but it, but it can, you can run into weird conversations with people who say to me, Hey, I would have done business with you, but I found out you were, you know, you were into this or you were pro that. Mm. Or pro that. So, okay. Look, look, I am who I am. And, and so yeah. I started, I started this podcast. I think Christine, I think you'll be episode 193. Okay. Wow. 190 something. And so we do it every Monday. We've never missed a Monday. It's the 193rd straight Monday. That's some consistency. This show has been published, okay? It's cool. It's great. But it's not, it's, we started it so that we could have people figure out they didn't want to do business with us, which I know sounds weird. No. Listen to the first five podcasts. You'll hear me say a lot of wild, crazy stuff that you probably go, whoa. No, and you can see it. It's, Every, every time two minutes, go look at the YouTube page for Carbon is Done Better. First five videos go like 1,000, 800, 600, 300. Oh, they, never, no. they never return. They never return. <laughs> that's, to us, that's, that's cool. That's what we expect yeah. to happen because we want you to be either in it yes. or not. I don't yeah. need you somewhere in the middle, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I think that's something that um, you have to prep people for when they're, when they're going Uh, when they're embarking on new things, but there's so much rejection in this space, right? Like not everyone's going to love or see, or, you know, understand what you're trying to build. And so a lot of people will reject it first before they actually love it. But what I tell 
all of my clients that I work with, especially as we're developing um, their, their message statements or their brand statements per se, your brand statement should serve as a filter. It should turn somebody off. Right. But it also should speak uniquely to the people that you're called to. So the clearer you get on your stance, the easier it is for people to find you. Now, it's also easy for people who aren't for you to also turn you off, which is great. Yeah. Right. Because you right. want that message to cater to your main your main demographic. And that's and that's no problem for us. Like I said, I talked about it with Lori, you know, haters, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's, <laughs> that's what makes you happy in your life feel free. Um, you yeah. know, I have a rule in my life. I, I will never start a fight, but if I turn around, and you push me in the back, all bets are off. Then I can <laughs> help you any longer. I will always be the first guy to turn and walk away. Yeah. That is where the, that is where the nicest. That's is. where it ends. <laughs> it's online. I'm not going to engage you fully, but I'm also not going to delete things. You yeah. know, I had someone come on a post a couple months ago and he was using real derogatory. And I said, Hey, look, mm. not here. Not, I don't yeah. care where you do this. And someone said, Sean, delete it, get rid of it. No. Yeah. No. You 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 reprimand like a dog. You slap mm -hmm. him on the nose. You tell yeah. him no, go to your bed. And it's if he doesn't not okay. then that's okay. You can come back again. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm gonna get the last word if I want it. That's just yeah. who I am. That's period. I if I don't want it, I will acquiesce and I will say I'm fine. I will sit in the back. But if yeah. I want it, if my passion is there, if you I got no use for bullies, man. I got bullied when I was a kid, I got none mm -hmm. for it. Period. Yeah. I don't care if it's life, work, no matter. It, it, bullies are weak, and it is fun to look at because they don't realize that. But with 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 what we do here, Christina, the work that you do, mm -hmm. I gotta say, I, I'm impressed. I've been talking to you now for about 50 minutes. I'm wondering how I sign up. Sounds like you work a lot with women. I'm gonna try to get my Come name on board. On you are more than welcome. It's everybody. All right. All right. <laughs> No, and so it's just, it's so cool. I really love it. Um, where can folks find you, Christina? Where can we hear and follow the message uh, that you're putting out there? Absolutely. So um, I'm on all, all social platforms, mainly on LinkedIn and Instagram. So if you search my name, Christina Joy Whitaker, or at Christina Joy Whitaker, that's Whitaker with two Ts, um, you can find me there. You can also um, look up my company. We um, operate out of www pivotbrandgroup.com. You can also find me there where I talk about um, some of my speaking topics that I have and different ways that we can actually officially work together. Um, for anyone also interested in either partnering with the conference as a sponsor or even coming and attending, all of that information is available at www.knownlive.com. And um, you can find all the information you need on that platform. Wow, unbelievable. Christina, make sure that when this post goes live on LinkedIn, go in the comments and link all this stuff in there. Okay. okay. Let, all let, right. let everybody see it. Let everybody know. Um, please, please, please. I want people to follow this. I want people to be involved. I think the work that you're doing is, is not only great, um, but it makes a difference. It makes it, it makes a difference. And, and your goal of a million people yeah. In 50 minutes, I'm a fairly decent judge of character. I say you get there and you probably get there faster than you think. You, uh, I appreciate that. You're, 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 a, you're a shining star. Your you're <laughs> unbelievable passion and energy has been so much fun to have on the show. I thank you so much for your time and, uh, and spending it with us here on our Mental Health Monday. Um, the guys and gals who joined us, she, she told you where she can find her. She also told you that pretty much anything in your life that you want, you can have it, but you're going to have to work for it. It's not going to just find you. 
and it might not even be what you were looking for. And, uh, and the quote that I'm going to leave myself with is this concept that, uh, that I believe you said your mentor told you, which is you can, you're good at some things, but there are some things you don't even know that you're even better at. That's going to motivate me for the rest of my week. I hope it does the same for you all. Thank you so much and have yourselves a wonderful week. We'll see you again next week. Thanks.